On today's episode, we are going to be talking about parenting. We are so excited to have Echo Hill Mm -hmm. in the studio um, with us today because she is one of the leading experts of the connection codes and applying it to (laughs) parenting relationships. And we've had a couple of questions come in recently, so we knew it was a great time to bring her in. And one of those questions was, are we just giving our kids a hall pass? You know, are we just giving them a free ride to be like, talk about your emotions? I've even heard other people that I know kind of mock like, oh, just talk about your kids' feelings. There's no discipline anymore. So that is the direction that we are going today to talk about how to use these tools with our kids that will guide them and help them grow into responsible, caring, well-rounded human beings. Mm. So welcome to the Connection Codes. This is the podcast where we break open our emotions that take us from being disconnected to connected in our relationships and in ourselves. I am your host, Tara Wages, and joining me is the founder of the Connection Codes, Phyllis Hill, who co-founded with her partner, Dr. Glenn Hill. And today we have their daughter, Echo Hill, who is a trauma-informed coach, a mother of five, and um, currently back in school getting her degree. She is a woman who does so much at one time and just so inspiring. She is also a co-author of their book, The Connection Codes. So we are so glad you are here. Wow. Yes. Welcome, friends. So uh, as Tara mentioned, what a joy to have our oldest daughter with us today. We actually asked Dr. Glenn not to be here today because we wanted to give plenty of room for Echo to share with our audience. What a joy. We have been asking her uh, to be on our podcast for quite a while. But as Tara mentioned, uh, she has been in school. She just finished the, out the school year. Uh, so proud of her for being in college. When she's a mama of five, she's a busy lady for sure. And um, Tara called her Echo Hill, but she's actually oh, Echo so Vetter. Oh, That's okay. So Echo Vetter. And yes, she did uh, co-wrote the book with us and spent a ton of time with that. And then when we went into the studio and did the parenting master class, she was all in that and with us on that. And if you've not done that one, you have got to do that. And so, yes, thank you and welcome Echo. And we do have, uh, and love when questions come in, Uh, that have to do with parenting and uh, sometimes we get right on those as far as with a podcast but we saved some uh, for today and one of the questions as Tara's already mentioned is the whole idea of parenting with the connection codes. I think the fear sometimes is uh, when we use these tools or when we teach our children about their emotions and we slow down to find out what's happening with our children, is that simply giving them a hall pass to not obey us or to have the rules that we expect for them to follow. So we would love to hear your just your thoughts on the whole shift in the parenting style that's even happened in your life since the Connection Codes came along. So I started working with dad in 2017. Um, I'm a writer and the when we first started working together, it was just for me to record his thoughts, his work, um, all the things that were just stuck in his brain and hadn't been recorded anywhere. Uh, I was not expecting it to be a life-changing experience for me. 
really believed I was just doing him a favor. Um, and it ended up being a very mutually beneficial experience for both of us. So definitely gave me a re-education around mental health, um, emotional intelligence, the nervous system, uh, regulation, co-regulation, so many things. Um, working with him day after day for actually what ended up being several years in a row. So I also was not expecting it to affect my parenting in any way because at the time, most of his work was around married married couples. That's who his clients were. That's what he was focused mm-hmm. on and passionate about. And so when mom and dad asked me to help write a workbook and then the book, I was expecting to be writing a book about marriage. And it ended up just being a book about humans And of course, included in that is children and parenting. And it was very quickly, probably within just a couple months, maybe weeks, but probably months, um, that as I was learning the tools and just the concepts that he was telling me about, I started trying them with my children and found that they are very effective, um, uh, I guess, in regards to connection, communication, um, regulation. And when we say regulation, you guys probably all know this if you've heard the podcast, but um, just processing emotion so that your nervous mm. system is regulated so that you can make wise decisions um, so that you can have behavior that benefits you and your relationships. So really quickly um, noticed a, an impact and a change within me and within my interactions with my children, specifically one of them um, in particular who we describe as being highly emotional. That's probably not accurate scientifically, um, but that had been our experience up to that point, right. that they were very affected by their emotions, um, experienced big waves of emotion that really impacted their behavior and their communication abilities. And so that's who I noticed the most first. Um, in fact, it was immediate. My interaction with him, the way I responded to him created an immediate Mm. change within him and therefore within our relationship and therefore within our entire family. Yeah. And it has just continued. It's been whatever that is, six years now, I guess. And so, you know, I hear that question that you share and of course that was me. That was me seven years ago, right? Seven years and every year prior to that, I'm 39. So for the first 32 years of my life, that was, or around that, my belief as well, that both for myself, you know, I'm, I need to control. That was definitely the wording. I need to control my emotions. And then when I became a mother, I need to teach my children to control their emotions or ideally eliminate them, of course, but that didn't never seem to work. So at the very least control them. And then now for the last, I think it's been six years, um, basically a 180, I would, I would say a 180 in terms of, uh, nervous system regulation, in terms of processing emotion, not in terms of behavior. Behavior is a separate thing and Mm -hmm. we get it, I think, confused. It all kind of melds together. And so when people start to hear these concepts around processing emotion or expressing emotion, often what they hear is, like you said, hall pass, anything goes, you're allowed any behavior. Yeah. Behavior is a separate thing. So if, if we can separate that as parents, both for ourselves, but certainly for our children, to understand that the expectations that we have around behavior are are separate than the expectations we have around emotion. Um, it can really help us both connect with our children, but also support them so that they can create uh, lives that they feel good about as they get older, but also lives that benefit society. Like that's kind of what we all want. That is an end goal, one of yeah. the end goals, right? Yeah. Um, so if we can separate those two, that can really lead us toward that, that end goal, both now and long term. 
What does that look like? Can you give me an example? How do I separate my child's behavior from their emotion? How does it play out in my house? So let's see. Um, it's hard for me to think of specific examples. My seven-year-old hit my six-year-old because he was angry because my six-year-old stole his toy. So often it has to do with um, coming back to our own response to them, right? And we can have compassion for emotion while also expecting um, or creating boundaries around behavior. So again, so that be the behavior in that moment negatively affected him, really. Yeah. Um, definitely your daughter. Did you say daughter? Yeah. I just okay. Said one of ages. your children. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and then um, the family experience as a whole, the home environment, the home experience. Um, so often, well, and, and again, there's like, there's so many layers to it because so much of this work has to do with our own emotion and our own regulation, right? So I know me as a mother and probably every mother I know, if they see that one of their children hit the other child, what they typically feel instantly is anger yeah. themselves um, probably some sadness, maybe some hurt, maybe even some guilt and shame, yeah. feeling some responsibility of like, why did I not, why was I not able to prevent that right. experience, right? right. Um, so becoming more aware of your own emotional experience, what's happening for me in that moment so that you can respond consciously or with awareness versus getting swept away by your own emotion and then jumping in. And and I, it feels important to say, I never do this perfectly in fact, I lost, I told mom this when I was with her recently, um, I lost my temper with my kids last week and it was so sad. I yelled at them. Mm. Um, I said things that aren't true, mean things. Yeah. It was terrible and yeah. felt so much guilt, waves and waves of mm. enormous amounts of guilt afterward because they deserve better. They don't deserve that. Um, they're good kids, but they're, they're humans. So they deserve better. Yeah. Um, so it's not that you get to this place of complete Zen where you are never feeling emotion or never responding out of emotion. Right. Um, but it certainly creates a different normal and different patterns. And that happens, at least in our home, what I've noticed significantly less than it did before because we have created so much awareness around emotion. So that feels important to say because your expectations can't be perfection, mm -hmm. not for yourself and not for your children ever. Right. Um, we will always be humans. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So back to that. So responding with compassion toward the emotion, um, but also firmness toward the behavior as in I am the mom and part of my job is to protect my children. And you can have this conversation with the child that hit, right? So right. part of my job is to make sure that that doesn't happen because I have to protect your sibling. That's one of my main jobs is to protect your sibling. And what you just did caused harm to your sibling. Um, one thing to remember um, is in around timing. So if the kid, if the child was dysregulated enough to hit another person, they cannot receive correction in that moment. Say it again. <laughs> if the child was dysregulated enough to hit another child, they cannot, literally physiologically, biologically, cannot receive correction in that moment. Their brain cannot receive it, cannot absorb it. Their nervous system is basically a steel wall, right? Okay. Mm. So if you swoop in and begin lecturing, correcting, reminding, they will receive none of it. Mm. They won't hear it. They won't remember it. It won't have meaning for them. It won't, um, mm. they, it won't remain. They won't keep it. They yeah. won't hold on to it. 
So that has been a really big change because certainly, again, there's all these layers, right? So my child hits another child. I then feel anger. I respond in anger. Everything is escalated. I'm escalated. They're escalated. My tendency in that moment is to do one of two things, punish or lecture, right? Neither of which work. Neither of which create lasting change. Neither of which teach them how to be the kind of person that they want to be or that we want them to be. Right. Right. So when we have awareness around our own emotion, to be able to go, okay, wait, I'm swept away. I feel so much anger or guilt or shame or whatever the thing is right in the moment. And to be able to process that for yourself so that you can respond with consciousness, with awareness rather than with emotion. Um, And then there has to be a pause between. So in the moment, the most important thing is that you protect the child who is being hurt. Mm. Right. So they are your priority. The one doing the hitting, not the priority. The one in the moment is the one being hit. Right. So you as the mom, it's your job to sweep to swoop in and to protect that child from the other child. Um, and then there has to be a pause so that the other child can regulate their emotion, whether that's through. And this is kind of a separate thing and it's a little harder. Um, self-regulation is a thing and we can teach self-regulation because there will be times where you're not with your child right. or where they're not with someone safe or someone responsible, where they're not with another adult. And it is valuable. It's valuable for them to understand and know how to self-regulate. But in that moment, you can also offer them co-regulation, right? And then once their nervous system has calmed back down and they are back in their, the other part of their brain, right? They've come out of that emotional um, part of their brain. That's when you guys can have what has to be a calm, it has to be a calm conversation. Because as soon as you bring the heat, Oh, they're offline. They are off. They are offline. Yes. Yep. And if we could remember that one thing, entire families units would be changed. 100%. The entire future would be changed yes. if we could remember that one thing. So if we come in, we bring the heat, we bring our anger, we continue the dysregulation, they receive no wisdom and they remember no wisdom. And then that cycle just continues for 18 years, right? Well, or 80 or forever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I almost feel like we should just all pause right now and take deep breaths and think about all the ways we parent and we miss on that probably so much. Mm. Like how often do you see one of your children hit another one of your children and you swoop in and you get bigger than anyone else in the room and your emotion is driving you And even if you get the facts, like, you know, Johnny hits Sam because Sam took Johnny's toy, you get that in the first few seconds, and you either start yelling at Johnny for hitting Sam, or you start yelling at Sam for taking the toy, and somehow you put your judgment into it super fast, right? Mm -hmm. And you're also escalating your own emotion in that moment, I mean, I can, as you were describing that, I was hearing a parent, maybe myself, it's been a long time, but run into a room and go, Sam, that's what you get for taking Johnny's Mm. toy. You deserve it. Mm -hmm. Give Johnny back his toy. Like that kind of judgment. Or you go over to Johnny and are like, don't you ever hit. Hitting is always wrong. Like you're putting a judgment on the whole thing super fast. And I'm, I'm just kind of amazed at what you're saying that, just the reminder that it's like a steel, like a shield in front of the child. Neither of them are hearing. Right. It's not getting in because they're both flooded mm-hmm. 
within that moment. And it's like, oh my goodness, that is such a huge reminder. So then I just go, okay, wow. So you walk into the room, you see that happening. You want to make sure that the hitting stops to protect the one that's being hit, regardless of what brought about the hitting. And so then you say, give them or give everyone a minute. So what does that look like practically? Well, in my experience, that depends on the child. So some children and also their ages, because they are going to, it's going to vary with age in my experience. So some kids are going to come toward you. If you are offering compassion, if you are offering safety, they are going to want to co-regulate with you, right? They're going to want to talk to you, tell you what happened, maybe be touched by you or touch you. Um, They are going to want your presence to help them regulate their nervous system. Others are not. That's going to feel like a threat for whatever reason, whether it's their genetics, whether it's their Mm. past experiences, personality, there's a million factors. Who knows? Um, Some kids are going to want separation. They're going to want a minute. So they're going to want to go yell in a pillow. They're going to want to go hit a baseball bat against a tree. Like they're, they're going to want to process some of that intensity on their own. That's going to feel safer to them. Mm -hmm. And that's something, those are words I never knew prior to six years ago. Um, safety and threat had no concept of that. In my mind, it was all about intention, right? I'm the mother. It's my intention uh, to love you and to keep you safe. That doesn't matter. Intentions don't actually matter in terms of the other person's experience. So if my child feels threatened by me for whatever reason, not necessarily because I'm a threat, I may not be threatening. Yeah. I may not have ever done anything to hurt them or right. to to threaten them. Um, but for whatever reason, their nervous system feels threatened by me in that moment. Um, that's what matters. My intentions don't. Right. My love for them, my wanting them to feel safe, irrelevant. So to remember that. So they will indicate, especially if you give them... Uh, the floor. <laughs> if you give them the floor, do you want me to co-regulate with you or not? They will tell you. If you respect that and they know that their answer will be respected, they'll tell you. They'll tell you if they want to regulate, co-regulate with you, which usually involves um, talking, maybe breathing, touching. Um, or if they want to self-regulate first by going off and doing something on their own. And you can teach them tools for that. One, um, jumping on the trampoline is a great way to self-regulate, literally screaming. Our voices, our throat, our vocal cords are connected to our nervous system just like everything else. And so if we can make sounds, um, yelling, moaning, groaning, screaming, that's a regulator and allowing them to do that. Um, Maybe with a door closed, if they are causing pain (laughs) for other people with their, the volume, Um, but moving their body, taking deep breaths, uh, making sounds, those are all ways of self-regulating. Uh, and that may they may feel safer to self-regulate. So giving them that option. And then typically, again, it all comes back to safety. So this may take a little time to change. If there's been a lack of safety in the home or in the relationship, you may not be able to expect, okay, they're going to go self-regulate for two minutes and come back. Maybe not. It may take a lot more than that, right? If they have felt threatened or not safe for whatever reason for a long, long time, It may take more work than that. It may take more time than that. Um, But typically, especially if this has become a normal for your home, they will go self-regulate and then they will come back to you. They will come back to you. You don't have to seek them out. They will come back and they will want to reconcile Mm. because children are just as we are. They are social creatures, right? They want to be connected. 
They want there to be harmony. They really do. It doesn't seem that way a lot of the time because they have a different agenda than we do, right? Adults have one agenda. Children have a different agenda. So it seems like they don't care about harmony, but they actually do. Mm-hmm. They are, that's the type of creature they are, right? Their biology craves harmony. And so if they have a moment to self-regulate and they know that at that point they can come back to you and that you will regard their experience, they'll come find you. And then you can have a shockingly intelligent conversation mm. with every age from two to 80. Yeah. Truly, it is, it's mm. stunning what they will wow. come back with, the insight that they will come back with. This is what was happening for me. These are the emotions that I felt. I don't want to hit my sibling. That's not the life I want to live. That's not the life anybody wants to live. It looks like it is because we end up doing that behavior a lot. The hitting, of course, is just one example. We do behaviors that we then look back and go, oh, that is not, that's not who I want to be. Right. That's not what I want to do. That's not how I want to spend my time. Right. Even young children, truly, if we can connect and slow down, they know it. They know that that's not how they want to live. Yeah. Um, it's the emotion that drives it. It's the threat of whatever was happening that drives that. So they will typically come back at that point if they know they will be regarded. And you can have a, an incredibly insightful conversation together. And then in the end, kind of I think what would wrap up that entire experience is that you say, how can I support you so that this doesn't happen again? Because our goal is for this to never happen again. Our goal is for you to never, ever, ever, ever hit your sibling again. For any of the siblings to be hitting each other ever again, it causes harm. And regardless of apologies and forgiveness, harm lasts. Harm has a long-term effect. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, even if you say you're sorry, harm has a long-term effect, both for you and for the person that you hurt. So our goal is for this to never happen again. How can I support you so that this doesn't happen again? And they'll usually tell you. They know. They know what they need when we give them the opportunity yeah. to know. Yeah. So I feel like I have a couple of thoughts stirring right now, but I feel like one question that parents will be asking is, at what point do you give consequences? Mm. So the next day, the same kid hits yeah. their sibling again. At what point do you, you know, I, I tend to say consequences instead of punishment, but right. do you do you do something about it? Because I think that's where it feels like it's a hall pass. Like we are just letting right. them off the hook. Right. So... Okay, several things. One is to remember that there are natural consequences, right? And one of the consequences is that they lose relationship. They lose connection. They lose interaction. Mm-hmm. And that is that is a dire consequence. Yeah. We don't give it enough credit. In fact, we don't give it any credit. Mm. We try to force the relationship, right? So something happens. You need to forgive. You need to reconnect um, your siblings. So blood, right? No, No, you lose the relationship. If you're a jerk, you lose the relationship as you should, as everyone should. If you're going to be a jerk, that person shouldn't have to be around you and they're not going to want to be around you. So to remember that if you are in the mom seat and you are talking to siblings, we talk about that a lot. There's five of them, right? There's tons of interaction, tons of relationship happening in our home. And to kind of come back to that and to remember, like if you're a jerk to your sister, she doesn't, she won't want to be your friend. And that matters. People not wanting to be your friend matters. That affects your quality of life. That affects your experiences. So that is a consequence. But I understand part of it is cultural, right? We're so focused on punishment. We are a action punishment in every capacity. If you think about every system 
we are a part of, we have a focus on punishment. We don't focus on relationship. We don't focus on connection. We don't focus on integrity. We don't, we don't cultivate integrity. Uh, it's just, if you do this, then the system decided that you get this punishment and that's the way it is. And that's the way it's always been. That's the way it's always going to be. Right. And we've, we put a lot of trust in punishment. Uh, I have not seen punishment to be all that effective. So I, that's something that I was thinking earlier as well, is that oftentimes I think that we do get stuck in this pattern of we go into the room, we discipline our child that hit the other child, and eventually they'll stop hitting. But it's not because we have actually done anything to change them. Mm-hmm. We've just made them afraid of us. Mm-hmm. You know, we've conditioned them to behave a certain way, but that doesn't mean it's done anything internally right. to them. They'll get really good at hiding. They'll get good at, <laughs> yes. They They'll will get really get good, good at lying. Yes. They'll make sure you never see it. Right. That'll happen. If you are their Jiminy Cricket, they'll just make sure you're not around. They need their, they need to be their own Jiminy Cricket, right? So that's the question we need to be asking. Not how can I punish them into conforming to my expectations. It's how can I support them into living in integrity? Because living in integrity, none of us are going to be hitting each other. That's not how it works. Yeah. You can't be in alignment with your own values and go around hitting people. No one will do that. No one does that. Right. And I think it's so interesting because I'm thinking also about how we grow into adults, Mm -hmm. you know, because we grew up in the era, at least I did, of very strict punishment. Yeah. Very intense punishment. Yeah. And um, so many of our generation and above us, that was their experience. Oh, yeah. The normal. It's the normal. Absolutely. And so I think that people think, well, I don't hit other people. I was spanked if mm. I got hit. So I'm going to spank my kids if they hit. And it's like, yeah, but how are you actually using your words and your body to, to help other people? You know, we still, we are ripping each other apart out in the streets. Oh, yeah. We may not be physically hurting each other, but we are tearing people mm. apart. And a lot of it comes back to the fact that we did not get these emotional tools and these emotional skills as a six-year-old and learning when we hit someone, yeah. these are our natural consequences. Yeah. And so when we are doing this now with our own children, we're not viewing it as a hall pass. We mm-hmm. are trying to train them to then grow up to have the coping skills when they're in a situation in the future, they are not ripping other people apart Definitely. emotionally mentally it's not always physical yeah cultivating character is another integrity is one word um i would say character is another um we can cultivate character when our needs are met we can cultivate character when we are regulated it's it's just the natural consequence it's the natural output of having our needs met and of having a regulated nervous system so to remember that as well um Again, our entire system revolves around punishment. So it does break our brains a little bit. You know, me at 39, you're in your 30s, you're in your 60s. Like we are, we are of a generation that was so focused on punishment that when we hear that there are other ways to create a, a child who has character, a depth of character, and who lives in integrity and who is pro-social and who is, uh, I can't think of what the right word is, as far as like uh, giving back to society, Right it breaks our brain. We can't even imagine how that could be possible because all we've ever seen is action and punishment, yeah. right? And so some of it maybe at first is trust. Uh, I'm six years in, so I would say at this point for me, it's no longer trust, it's evidence. 
Uh, at the same time, I'm only one person and I only have five children. So there's 8 billion people on the planet. Wow. You know, that's a very small sample size. Um, yeah. But that's certainly been my experience. And actually, it's been the experience of everyone that I, all the clients I've worked with in my coaching business and even friends who we've interacted about this, it's been their experience too. Right. I also think about the same type of experience when our kid gets hurt. I hear people say, you know, like we pay too much attention to feelings, like Mm. stand up, be strong, Mm. you know, like you're okay. Be a tough guy. Yeah. You you know know what that causes? Talk about it. Trauma. So trauma is, well, we don't have enough time to talk about what trauma is, Uh, but it's basically, it kind of re- rewires our nervous system is um so that it so that our normal is no longer a regulated state it's so that our beca- what becomes or what happens is that our normal becomes a dysregulated state so we live in almost a constant dysregulated state when we have trauma that we don't know how to move through and out of our body um when a child gets hurt and that's how we respond that is a traumatic experience for that child and for that child's body and so what happens is that that pain, uh, that dysregulation, that disconnection gets stuck in their nervous system. It gets stuck literally in their cells, in their biology, and they are now a different person than they were before that experience. And I, that can be super overwhelming to hear, right? I've been that parent. I've been the parent that says, get up, stop crying. You're fine. Um, I was traumatizing my children, not knowingly, of course, of course, I've never loved my kids more or less than I do now. Um, I just didn't know. I didn't have the information. And so I've said that many, many, many times to many of my children. And all I was doing in those moments was trapping trauma in their cells, um, which can be, thankfully, thankfully, there are tools that we can go back years later and process that trauma. It is possible. Um, But there's certainly a lot less struggle, a lot less resistance if we have these tools on the front end and we can respond in a way that allows that painful experience however big or small, right? One little scratch or you've broken your leg, however big or small. Um, if we have these tools and we have this information, then we can respond in a way so that that pain immediately gets processed. It does not get trapped. It doesn't get trapped in the cells or the nervous system or the biology. And so they remain, uh, or their normal remains regulated. Right. So I think in response to this question about creating a hall pass, not at all is is that the goal of the connection codes and teaching emotional regulation to our children. We are not creating a hall pass for them. We are trying to keep them from hiding mm-hmm. from us, whether it is hiding their emotional response. And if they are in pain, they will hide that from us. Yes. And then it will hide inside their body, inside yes. their DNA, inside their cells. Or if they make a mistake and they can't come to us because we've proven to them when you mess up, you will be intensely punished and I will react to you harshly. Right. We're not going to send them into hiding there either. And so what we desperately care about mm. is giving light to our children and, and helping them to regulate themselves while knowing that we are a safe person mm-hmm. for to be there for them. Yeah. And so I think that is so helpful and super beneficial for me, like this has changed so much mm-hmm. about how I parent, how I show up for my kids. And your voice in all of this has been extremely powerful mm-hmm. in teaching it. 
So we close every episode by doing the core emotion wheel. Wow. So would you be willing to do the core emotion wheel? I will wheel try. Today? I always freeze a little bit. <laughs> I get that. When it's um, on the fly, but I will try. I get that. We need to just like, I need to like glue one to my table. <laughs> That's here. a good idea. Yeah. So how do you guys do it since there's not one sitting here? Do you, you just, just, make just, sure. remember? just remember it? I have one on my okay. fridge. Do you mean to grab No, no, it? I can remember. Okay. I just didn't know what the routine oh, was. Oh, no, it okay. doesn't matter. And then do I do all of them or do we take turns? Mm-hmm. What do we do? You do all of them. Are you going to do it as well? No, or? let's just do one. Okay. Just Okay. So I'm going to start with anger. That's an easy one because I already referenced it. Um, last week it had to do, it was with technology as it often mm-hmm. is. My kids wanting to play video games and be on to televisions and um, just got super flooded with anger and handled it horribly. And said mean things and yelled and it was terrible. Um, I'll follow that with guilt because then I literally for days after was um, swept away by guilt. Mm. I I hated that I responded that way. I hated the things that I said. Um, It took several days of processing to move that guilt through my body. Um, Actually, probably shame too. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Guilt and shame. Uh, Could not believe at 39 years old after 18 years of mothering and six years of connection coding that I got that swept away to mm. yell at them. I just couldn't believe it and, say, and to say mean things to them. Um, let's see, fear. I would say I do get, I feel a lot of responsibility. I want to be a good mom. I want to take good care of them and I want to be the support that they need. So I do get hit with fear that I'm missing something, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm not um, not supporting them the way they need, not being the mom that they need and that they will suffer because of that, that they will experience uh, consequences of my shortcomings. That goes through my mind. Semi-regularly. Um, sad. I'm sad we don't have more time together today. Yes, I got hit yes. with that this morning. Mm. would love to spend the entire day with you guys. Mm. It's always, it's just a joy. So sad that we don't have the entire day to be together. Um, let's see. Hurt. Oh, no. Nothing's coming to mind with hurt. I, I probably, back to, you know, just sticking with parenting. Um, when my kids pull away from me, or I feel like um, there's times, especially my teenagers, where they don't know what they're experiencing. They're flooded with mm-hmm. hormones and emotion, and I'll ask them how they are, and they just don't really have anything to offer. Mm-hmm. And I do feel some hurt in that moment. Like I want to, I want to know. I want to be there for them. I want to know how they're doing. Mm-hmm. So there is some hurt in there. Definitely pain experience. Mm-hmm. What's the other pain one? I'm forgetting. Lonely. Thank you. Lonely. Um, I would say I still experience a lot of loneliness in motherhood. Um, some of that is not always knowing how to ask for support. Mm. And then some of it is just feeling like there's not enough support available for th- what the mothering experience is. Yeah. Um, I'm supporting a lot of kids. I therefore need support. And I don't always know how to ask for that or receive that or even uh, don't always feel like there's enough to go around. Yeah. So there is there's a lot of loneliness in motherhood. I think that's pretty common in our modern American culture. And then what am I missing? Is it just joy? Joy. joy. Did I do all. Did I remember all the others? Oh my goodness. Um, lots of joy. Seeing my children grow, learn these tools, um, become emotionally intelligent humans. They definitely have a. They're a step ahead than where I was at their ages. Mm. Um, they have a leg up, and that's really exciting to see. Um, and then tons of joy being here with you. Yeah. You mm-hmm. too. Yes. <laughs> Same here. Thank you so much. And thank you for coming and sharing. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I want that deep connection with my child. Mm-hmm. I don't want my child to hide from me on, on any level because I want to be a safe person for them. Please go right now and 
Look in the show notes. There will be a link to our parenting course, which features Echo and Dr. Glenn and Phyllis in it, where they have eight modules. I think it's maybe nine, eight or nine modules, just filled with incredible tactical information mm-hmm. on parenting that is just so, so powerful. Mm-hmm. And you can use podcast for 20% off of that course. We are so glad that you are here. Please share this episode with your parenting friends because as Echo said, it is lonely parenting. And so by sharing with another mom or dad, saying like, I'm on this journey with you. Like, I don't want you to feel alone on this journey. Let's figure out how to connect with our children together and grow Mm -hmm. together. And if you are interested in connecting with Echo and getting one-on-one coaching with her, she offers coaching for parenting as well as she is a trauma-informed coach Mm. um, who is just super, super talented in this area. So her information is also in the show notes. I highly encourage you to click and connect with her deeper. We are so, so grateful you are here and we do all of this because... You need this? You deserve this. (laughs) So let's do this. Let's do this.